I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Dr. Tracy Marks, author of Why Am I So Anxious? Powerful Tools for Recognizing Anxiety and Restoring Your Peace. We hardly need to be reminded that anxiety is an all-time high. School shootings, the never-ending COVID train, politically charged divisiveness, and climate change are in our face daily. And we're expected to remain sane, calm, and go about our lives. General and forensic psychiatrist Dr. Tracy Marks has written the book to help us navigate the new normal. With expertise and perhaps the most newsworthy subject pervading our lives, both personally and culturally, she is ready to address, advise, and help heal our nation's anxiety epidemic. She broadcasts to over a million followers weekly on her YouTube channel. Her mission is to increase mental health awareness and understanding by educating people about psychiatric disorders, mental health, well-being, and self-improvement. Dr. Marks has been featured on CNN and HLN for her forensic and general psychiatric commentary. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Dr. Marks. Tracy? Oh, it's it's a pleasure to be here. Well, as I said in the intro, and as we talked briefly before we got on the air, anxiety. Anxiety seems to permeate all our lives, both personally, culturally, and we don't seem to really be doing it in the best way possible because I don't think we remedy the problem. But you, in your book, have a toolkit for us to be able to do that? Yes, I do. (laughs) The book really turned out to be more like a manual. (laughs) I didn't intend for it to be that way, but um, it's got over 20 uh, different types of tools and, and coping mechanisms, things that you can do to help your anxiety. So where do we begin? We, we get your book, we open the book, we're anxious, uh, we, and as I don't want to keep saying the same thing over and, get, over and over, but it does permeate our lives, individuals, our relationships, our work, uh, and, and anything we do. So, so what, where do we start? Yeah, that's a good question because it is a huge topic, anxiety, <laughs> uh, probably bigger than, than, than it would seem on the surface. Um, so the beginning of the book actually is about helping you understand what anxiety looks like, feels like. Do you have a disorder versus not? Um, I mean, some people, we, we do have to remember that anxiety is an emotion, and it's also a reaction to a threat. Um, so it has some purpose in, in protecting us from danger and allowing us to mobilize ourselves to go to do something to protect ourselves. So there is some aspect of it that everyone experiences, and we should. But um, then there are those who experience it in the absence of any perceived threat or it's excessive just because the stressors in their lives are excessive. And for some people, even understanding uh, the, uh, the nuances of those, of those situations is helpful. And in the clinical world, we call that patient education. Um, and, and that's an important part of getting started with what do I do about my anxiety. All right. So let's talk about what are some of those nuances? What do we need to know? What are the differences between anxiety that is helpful, that protects us, and that that overwhelms us and is really isn't related to any actual, uh, any actual, uh, 
stress Real thing or happening. A, a, yeah, or something happening, something that's actually going to happen to us. It's just an overriding anxiety that permeates our brain. Sure. Okay. So if you're if you're trying to answer, if you the person or, or you're trying to answer for yourself, do I have anxiety? That's a problem, or is this just normal or something? Kind of a couple of key features to look at to determine that, that this really is something that um, is that you should do something about is, is it persistent? So does it last beyond, say, a stressor? So is it something that is a reaction to something and persistent? Because you could still have something happen to you, um, like, you know, you almost get into a car accident uh, near miss. Any, for anyone, you should expect to have your heart racing and be, you know, a mess for a little bit, but if that continues throughout your day, you can barely get yourself together, you can't focus, you're, you're, you're falling behind on your work because now you're worried about what if it happens again and, and a lot of what-if scenarios, that's anxiety that's extending beyond the original thing that started it in the first place. And some people can wake up just having free-floating worry and thoughts in their head even if that's you, where at times you, you have a tendency to worry about things and worry about the future, it still doesn't necessarily mean you need to seek professional help for it. But a question that you have to answer for yourself is, how much are you able to contain it and distract yourself from it? Um, another so are we talking about upward. the difference between like a perceived threat and real threat? Um, so it could, it could be both. So yes, there, you know, even if someone has a real threat, like, um, maybe you're going to, you're going to lose your job. You were, there's an announcement at work. Half the people are going to lose their job and we're going to do it over six months. Well, that's torture. You know, are you going to be the person who loses your job in six months? You've got to spend six months worrying. That's a real threat. There will be some people who, now they won't be able to sleep every night. Um, they are, aren't getting their work done. They're having fights with, their, with people in their lives because the anxiety about worrying about whether or not they're going to lose their job is causing irritability and causing disruptions in their relationships versus the other person who is, who, who's managing their reaction to that announcement. They, they worry somewhat from time to time. They think they go into work, am I going to get a pink slip today? But they didn't, so they move on. And so that person has much less dysfunction because of this real threat. So that's an example of kind of a tale of two, two people or two cities, if you will, or two reactions to the same real threat. Well, in your book, you talk about, <clears throat> okay, two people manage it and manages the keyword, manage this threat in a different way, threat of losing a job. Uh, you can think of a lot of different scenarios I'm thinking about. Maybe you have to have surgery. There are people, you know, and, and it's a concern. You get anxious about that, but some people can manage that anxiety. So managing mild to moderate anxiety, how do we do that? Without actually having to go into therapy or going to a psychiatrist and getting medication, there are other ways to mitigate the anxiety, I'm assuming. Yes, there are. There are lots of ways. And one of the reasons I wanted to uh, kind of create this toolkit, if you will, is because 
I had, I've had my own frustrations over the years of treating people with anxiety, wanting to integrate in natural things that they could do in addition to taking medication. Um, and usually a reaction that I would get is, well, I've tried that. Nothing works. And it can seem that way because there are lots of different things and not everything works for one person. So I've always, so I've taken the approach now of you need to find things that work for you and then layer them because not one intervention, one intervention is not going to take care of every aspect of your anxiety. So all that said, that's a pretext to your, the answer, which is um, I still think that the foundation should start with the basics like um, prioritizing sleep, which the average adult needs seven to nine hours of sleep, um, prioritizing exercise. And exercise actually has real benefits to your not only physical but mental health. And I, of course, talk more in detail about the chemical, uh, like the, the um, neuroanatomy of all of that uh, or neurochemistry behind that in the book. But it, it is more than just, oh, exercise feels good. It actually uh, makes changes in your brain when you exercise. And then, um, and then diet. Have eating as clean as possible with your diet, eliminating or minimizing processed food. Now, all of those, all three of those things, um, often people will say, well, you know, that doesn't, just because I ate well today, that's not going to mean I'm going to be less anxious. These are the foundational things that make you more resilient when anxiety strikes. So the, the better, the healthier you are, say, kind of from the inside out, the better you're able to manage anxiety. So sleep and exercise and diet. And we, we all seem to know that. But as a society or just culturally, and I talk about this, I think, uh, on the show a lot, we are heavier, we're more obese, we eat more, we, we have get less sleep. We're just, it seems to me that as a culture, we're going, we're just going down, we're going in the wrong direction. How are you going to get people to turn around, say by reading your book, and to follow, as you say, the layering of the exercise and the diet, um, and, and just doing the fundamentals? Because, I mean, you're so right. I know when I get anxious, and I, I get up and I, I go out, I walk four or five miles a day. I'll get up and walk outside if it's for 10 minutes or I can do the four or five miles. And you're so right. You really, it really does mitigate the anxiety and sleep, but, and food. But uh, I think that exercise is really key, at least for me. Yeah, it is. I feel so good when I exercise, but I'm dragging myself to the gym. <laughs> but I have to remind myself, and you know, a lot of self-talk. I will feel better. I will feel better. And with the with the food, you know, it's hard. It's hard to eat healthy. It's so much easier to order something, uh, some fast food, and eat junk. It's just easier. Uh, this week, I was, you know, trying my best to prep, you know, a nice healthy meals for the week, and that was a pain in the neck for me to spend my Sunday afternoon doing that. So, yes, it's very easy for us to, um, it, it does take work, I guess is a better way to put it, to do these things, but they pay off so well in the end. Um, so, anyway, those are just kind of the foundational things. you got to start with a good foundation and build from there. 
um, beyond that, there's, there's, I divide up the uh, recommended ways to cope into mind tools, body tools, and behavior tools. And uh, one, I, I guess I could just tell you, like, my favorites that I like to use. Um, I, I still think mindfulness is a very easy, portable um, intervention that really does a lot more than one might think it does for your mind. Um, mindfulness is um, being in the focusing in on the present moment without judgment. And what do you, what do I mean by that? You go to uh, your child's soccer game. Instead of watching your child play, you're thinking about a couple of things you need to finish up when you get home or your grocery list or whatever. You're thinking about something else, but your mind is not in that present moment. It's somewhere else. And the more time we spend thinking about other things, the more distress it causes us internally or mentally. So, One of the things that I do, and I, I think it's not exactly the same thing, but I think I've always been good at this, is compartmentalizing. I think mindfulness is probably a much more healthy way of doing it. But being able to, as you say, stay in the moment, whatever activity you're doing, and not getting distracted about thinking about all the other stuff you should or should not be doing. Um, compartmentalize, I think, is a little bit different um, or is used differently in psychiatry. Am I right? Yeah, actually, compartmentalization is a defense mechanism yeah. <laughs> that you can use to be able to um, take a situation and um, it, it, you can use it as a way to distract yourself from dealing with distressing things in the moment. So um, I think I might get fired at work or, you know, and I've got all these other things to do. If you try and focus on all of those things and, and kind of keep hitting refresh on all of those things, it will overwhelm you versus being able to say, okay, I've got this thing I have to do at home, but I am not going to flood my mind with thoughts about the stuff I have to deal with at home while I'm at work. I'm going to focus on work right now and that other stuff will be there and I will attend to it when I move my attention to that. So in some ways it is kind of like mindfulness. It's not quite the same thing, but it is a way to distract yourself. All right, so not quite as healthy, but I'm on the road to health, mental health. <laughs> yes, it, it's yeah. something still. <laughs> All right, so I'm I, I, okay. So mindfulness. Now you said body. What does that mean? So body, yeah. So a good, let's see, a body tool that I like. Um, I love yoga. I used to not love yoga because I thought. I couldn't understand it, and I tried hot yoga and all this stuff, and it was very hard for me, and I thought, this is what people uh, like? What do they like about this? But um, gentle yoga, where you are combining stretching movements with some amount of mindfulness of kind of focusing in on the sensations of your body and breathing. So breathing is kind of its own Thing. You can do breathing exercises, but um, an important aspect of yoga is also um, breathing, controlled breathing. So that's one of the things that I really like with um, like about yoga. But another thing that's actually one of my favorites with the body tools are weighted blankets. So I sleep with one every night. 
Um, it, it works on the concept of deep pressure touch. Um, an analogous situation would be um, swaddling babies. If you've had a baby recently or ever had one, you're probably told that if your child is fussy, you wrap them really tight and that calms them. Um, and it from not it, it's from the pressure of being wrapped that tightly. So with weighted blankets, it's a similar concept. It should be 10% of your body weight, and it's it and it's more than just say your grandmother's heavy blanket. It's they're made. They usually have some kind of beads or something in them to make them heavy, and you can either sleep under them or you can even have they have a lap version that you can put on your lap while you're working or watching television. So um, those, those can be very calming, especially if you're having, um, they can be used passively like for sleep, like I use it, but they can also be used as a calming thing if you're having an attack of anxiety. And so I'm assuming you can buy these anywhere, the weighted blankets on Amazon. Uh, they're easy to, to, to get or to Yes, they are very easy. I don't, I can't remember where I ordered mine from, but you can do a Google search for weighted blankets. But yeah, you can also find them on Amazon. And I was a a recent grandmother, and I have to say, and I shouldn't admit this, but I drove my son and daughter-in-law crazy because they had the babies, the twins wrapped up in the, you know, in swaddled. And I was like, they need to kick and move around and be free. (laughs) And fi- <laughs> I <do>. No, <laughs> no, I should have talked now to you before. You know. Yes. No, 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 no. Yeah. But they stood, you'll be right. happy. They stood their ground. They did not listen to me. So it's okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> they know better. They knew better. Exactly. Right. Yeah. All and right. you know, one other example of that, I don't know if you've seen those commercials uh, called thunder shirts for dogs or for pets. Um, When they get anxious from, like, loud noises and things, they have a special weighted vest. And they even use weighted vests um, for autism spectrum as well for people uh, with um, sensory issues and have a lot of anxiety. So the whole deep pressure touch intervention thing um, is used used pretty widely in different ways than you you would otherwise think about. All right, now, okay, let's go on to behavioral tools because those are tools that we also can use to calm ourselves down. Sure. So some of the, uh, the examples I use in the book are music, um, ASMR, um, which is um, listening to the sounds and, and visuals and things. It's very popular now, like on YouTube, and there, there's even podcasts with it. Um, coloring and laughter, just to name a few. Um, coloring became pretty popular probably about five or six years ago. Um, and the coloring is not just, you know, pick up a crayon and just color randomly. It's actually coloring complex designs. Um, and the typical ones are called mandalas, but they're very intricate and you, you color and there's lots of lines and spaces that you have to color. In the studies, those are the types of designs and, and complex coloring that was helpful more so than just freeform coloring. And it, it kind of goes back to mindfulness a little bit because when you kind of immerse yourself into this activity of um, coloring these intricate designs and things, you, 
you take yourself out of the moment of thinking about the latest mass shooting and what's going on in this state and in this election and all this, and you're putting yourself, you're divorcing yourself from that for the moment and putting yourself into this neutral activity. So there are lots of coloring books and there's even like free designs online and things. I even have some free ones on my website that I don't know we'll get to, but um, it's a very easy thing to do. My temperament is such, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. Your temperament is such as what? It's such that that doesn't work that well for me. And as I said before, not everything works for everyone. I get impatient with those little, with all those lines. So one of the things that I really like is using laughter as a, um, a relaxation or decompressing activity. And that can be in the form of watching some comedy shows that you like, but there's also something called laughter yoga where you are forcing laughter um, by making laughing sounds in the absence of being humored. So it, it doesn't have to be um, because you find something funny. You are just going through the motions of laughing while you're doing certain activities, like instead of talking on the, pretending like you're talking on the phone with someone, but laughing through a conversation, um, going through those exercises, and, and those have been shown to um, work similarly to the forced laughter to work similarly as spontaneous laughter. I like coloring. I love coloring. That sounds like, I mean, that is something I would love that I would do. I don't like to, I'll never like to do yoga. And, and I guess the other thing is we can't all do all those things all of the time. Can like give ourselves a break a little, we'll pick the ones that are best for us. I know you need the foundations for a sleep exercise and a good diet. Everyone should be doing that, but maybe the layers that we've been talking about, we can kind of, if we can't do it all, we can pick and choose what's the most comfortable. But I also oh, right. have That's- to, yeah. And I was thinking about the coloring because I like to do coloring, but I'll think about all the artists who paint, who were crazy yeah. and anxious and suicidal. <laughs> that doesn't fit the, uh, who, who created these beautiful, you know, uh, paintings. But anyway, I just wanted to make that comment. Yeah. Well, on that note, though, that the kind of painting they're doing is more the free form and not specifically these kind of mandala designs. Oh, okay. with the, but still, again, it goes to the point of not everything works for everyone. So, yes, you should, you know, having, it's good to be able to have, like, a list or a a toolbox that you can just pull stuff out of, but at least you know what's available. But if you don't even know what's available and you're just kind of trying to go on whims and, you know, oh, I heard this works for this person or somebody's talking about this online, um, you don't know, and, and that doesn't work for you, you can easily give up and think, well, nothing will work. But there's so many other options. So, yeah, I, I think the best way to go about it is to find a few things. I'm journaling. We didn't talk about that. It's under the mind tools, though. Journaling is, a, is another thing. There's different ways you can journal. But find a few go-tos that help you over and above the, the foundational things and, you, and have those at the ready when you need them. So it's not as though you've got to have this super structured day where you, okay, now I got to do this. Oh, and at five o'clock, I got to do my, my coloring. And then I've got to, you know, that, that's stressful. I mean, that, that's, yeah, that's, that's stressful that's and that demanding. can drive you crazy. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, this isn't supposed to be that hard right. and demanding that way. So, um, so yeah, so the idea is to have, to know what works for you and have some things that you can use to diffuse anxiety, diffuse tension, um, and, and, and make you feel better and, and feel good, give you some relief um, so that you can have some peace. So by getting your book and reading the book, we'll be able to do that and make some, some good choices and to, uh, to be able to be aware of what, this is kind of my last question, also to help us or guide us for recognizing and preventing situations where our anxiety may be triggered. Maybe you could just comment on that. Yes, absolutely. So another thing is, another thing about education or understanding is, is recognizing what are some triggers um, that, that stir up your anxiety. You know, I know that I, this, is, this is hypothetical. Being around the people who are just talking about political topics or um, someone asking me about this or that and the other, n- being able to identify that can help you know where you need to stay away from so, or know that, okay, I still have to be in this situation and I know it's going to make me anxious. I need to be ready to do this thing to offset the anxiety I'm going to experience from this thing. And having that heads up can help mitigate the effect of that stressful situation. Okay, so you, you have to be in a certain situation, maybe at work or with your kids or whatever, you can help, you can diffuse it, but there are tools to help you diffuse it, even though you have to put yourself into a situation that you know may trigger anxiety. We only have a couple minutes left. So I want to repeat the name of the book. Why am I so anxious? Powerful tools for recognizing anxiety and restoring your peace. And we've been talking to Dr. Tracy Marks. Um, so uh, could you give us a website or websites we can go to for more information about the book and about you and what you're doing in your work? Sure. So my general hub of information is my website, Mark's Psychiatry, and that's M-A-R-K-S as in Sam. That's my last name. And then the word psychiatry.com. That also, that has where you can get the book, which is pretty much available wherever books are sold. And then my social media handles uh, our accounts are also there, but my handle across all of them is Dr. Tracy Marks, D-R, and then Tracy Marks, Tracy with an E-Y. And uh, probably the main two places I am, I, I am, is that right? Anyway, the main two places I exist are YouTube, where I produce weekly content, and then Instagram with daily um, kind of bite-sized tips. Great. Great talking to you today. And I, I did, I, I, there were a lot of those tips that I had no idea existed. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Mm-hmm. 